I think failure is important as well. You know, I have a saying that we try things. And, and one of the things that I breed in my team is, is we take risks. What I tell people, we're thinking, we're trying, to, we're trying to innovate, is that failure is still a success because if something doesn't work, we've learned something. Welcome to Professional Profiles, a podcast where I interview industry experts to understand their jobs, learn about their journeys to success, and uncover the strategies they've used to find it. In this episode, we speak with David Moriarty, a high-ranking manager at Apple who specializes in fraud detection. He has been with the company for over two decades and has played an important role in the success of many of Apple's most popular products. In this interview, David shares his experience working at Apple, his leadership approach, and his insights on how to achieve success. Here's the interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. I'm really happy to be here. So I'm just going to jump right into it and ask what your job title is. My job title, boy, that's a that's a really good question. So, so I'm at Apple, and we we don't really have job titles. We 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 do somewhere detailed. So I'll, I'll give you a job description. I uh, kind of what what the way I would describe myself is a is a data scientist, and that's sort of the in vogue uh, term for for what we do. Um, and I have a team of data scientists that that work for me. And um, data science really is about uh, leveraging data and statistical algorithms to support, optimize, automate uh, business decisions. And I'm in, in the business world, that's, that's where I leverage it. Uh, my specific role, uh, I focus more on the decision automation. So I'm looking for opportunities to uh, see where decisions are being made uh, either manually or they're being made in a, in a less than optimal way. And, and uh, my team, we, we, we look to take those over. Um, we we leverage anything from you know simple statistics that you might find in, in Microsoft Excel all the way to uh, machine learning, AI, um, how you know for, for prediction optimization modeling. So long answer, but uh, not a simple answer. So recently, OpenAI has been a lot more prevalent after they kind of released ChatGPT. Could you talk a bit about the future of artificial intelligence and what that entails? Yeah, it's interesting. So, so just just by way of background, so you know, I'm 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 computer scientist by by training, and and came up and, and specialized in in artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning in graduate school. And for me, I always liked it because it was sort of the hardest problems. I thought the hardest problems of of computer science when I saw what what computers were good at and what people were good at, there was a big divide. And uh, so I said, well, that sounds interesting. And, uh, the, and, and the hard problems are what, are what inspires me. And so as I got involved, I realized at how easy, simple things uh, that people do and how hard it was for com- to get computers to do that. And so I would say that ChatGPT is, is an amazing advance that, that really impressed me. I, I went on and, and started playing with it as a cynic. And was really excited about some of the things that they've done from from being able to generate content well, was pretty remarkable. You know, I've seen you know, the auto- automated driving is another thing where we've seen AI um, have a lot of impact, and, and that was 
that's been a little more familiar for me. I, I would say ChatGPT has been one of the more impressive things I've seen. Um, I think what you're going to see is, is people uh, incorporating that uh, into a lot of their products. I think you're going to see interactions, chat interactions get a lot more automated, um, hopefully in a good way. You don't have the, the typical chat bots that, that we see. You know, I know my, my personal experience with chat bots is I'm very quickly typing agent, agent to get somebody on the ground. I think chat GPT may be the start of where uh, we're going to get more automated responses and be, and be okay with that. So what level of schooling did you need? So for what I do, so let me let me tell you the level of schooling that I got, and then we'll talk. Well, we can talk about kind of what I do and what and what's necessary. So both of my parents were uh, in academia, both have PhDs. They uh, were in biological fields. Uh, my father uh, was in physiology, and my my mother in anatomy. And so I grew up, grew up in that environment, and so I sort of went through school just heading straight to the PhD. It was normal for me. And it just, cause that's what my parents did. Um, I didn't have the biological interests, the biological sciences. Uh, I didn't have the stomach for that. And I got early uh, interested in, in, in computers early on in the eighties. And so I had a, um, took my first computer science course in high school, was pretty good at it. And my teacher said, Hey, you might think of this as a career. So that was my direction. I uh, went all the way through uh, to get a PhD, and that's really where sort of the AI and machine learning stuff was happening. You didn't really get a lot of exposure to AI and machine learning in the 80s in, in an undergrad, and I knew that that's kind of the, the direction that, that interested me. So that sort of drove me into grad school, got interested in doing research, and anticipated that that's where I was going to end up. And in fact, spent about three years at the uh, University of Southern California in LA as in a research faculty role. And decided that really wasn't what uh, what I was interested in. It, it I, I liked the research, I liked the, the the challenge, but I really wanted to make more of an impact. I wanted to have a direct impact, and I found that business gave me that opportunity. And so, jumping into the business world where I could leverage the the algorithms that I that I knew and the, the methodologies to help make an impact in all sorts of different ways. Talk about that. And, and that's really what, what, what excited me and drove me. And so this is a long way of saying that I don't believe that you need a PhD to do what I do. I got there trying a different path coming back. I do have PhDs that work for me on my, on my team, but it is no, by no means a requirement. And nowadays, if we think about data science, a lot has changed. There are data science majors at universities. And so, you know, I came out of computer science department and data science wasn't a thing. Um, there were statistics and math departments. Now, if you go to most schools and, and you, you search data science, you'll see that many of them have majors and they show up in different places. Somewhere in the business school is a business analytics. Some of them are the computer science department, some are in the math department, but you can go get this level of training at an undergrad and come, you know, work for companies and do sports analytics, all those different, different options. So it's the, my educational path, but I don't know that that's as important as it is today. So through all that school, even if it wasn't a requirement in, in today's world, how did you not burn out? I always chased hard problems for me. And, and honestly, I've been, I've been, you're doing the same thing uh, at Apple for over 20 years now. And uh, I've built my group up over time and we've taken on new things. And it's a fair question. It's like, well, how, how can you do the same thing? And what I tell people all the time is, is, is what inspires me. Well, several things. But, but for the most part, I'm, I'm challenged by the problems. Problems change. Uh, my favorite thing is is waking up in the morning and having a problem I don't know how to solve and thinking about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm getting dressed. I'm, I'm in the shower. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and it just, it's inspiring. It's fun. 
the problems have changed, you know, as my career has changed and I'm, I'm less involved in, in the technical details. And now it's more from a leadership or an organizational or things like that, but, but they're still there. And, you know, if I wasn't challenged, yeah, I probably, I don't, I don't know. Burnout would be the right word, but bored and look for, look for other opportunities. So why is adversity in general important for everyone to face? I think it makes you stronger. I think failure is important as well. Um, you know, I have a saying that, we try things. And, and one of the things that I breed in my team is, is we take risks. We built up a lot of trust through our successes. And what that, that trust does when we've been right is it allows us to take some risks and take some challenges to try some things that we're pretty confident at, but we want to see. And what I tell people, and we're thinking, we're trying to, we're trying to innovate is that failure is still a success because if something doesn't work, we've learned something. And I try to celebrate those. And I try, I, I, we, we have these things uh, on my team where we, where we have these innovation sprints where we somebody has an idea and we get people together. It's like, oh, let's go try it. And what I tell people is like, I, I, wanna, I want people to present not just the successes, but also the things that didn't work out because I want to hear about them and I want to learn them. And I, I don't want people to be afraid of failure. So, so those are the things that you learn from. Adversity, I think, is part of that is that you want to be excited, <laughs> about what you've accomplished. And if things are really easy, again, that goes to that boredom. And you know, I had a young woman who was working on something for me. It was a really big project and it was a lot of work and it's really hard. And she said to me in one of our meetings, and she said, this is, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I said, that's awesome. I love that. I said, because you're going to look back at this because you're, you're going to look back at everything you did. And when, when we get this over the finish line and this is delivered and it's, it's live and it's doing its thing, you're going to look back at this and you're going to have so much pride and you're also going to have so many stories and so much wisdom to uh, to pass on to folks. And that made me so happy to be able to convey that. And and later, years later, she, she came to me. She said, you're so right. I'm, I'm so happy and I'm so happy it was hard because that was that's what made it more gratifying. So you obviously are very passionate about what you do. What would you tell people about finding a passion? You mentioned earlier the fact you love what you do and you love waking up to a challenge. How do people find that for themselves, even if it's not in your profession? Yeah, I, I think I mean, everybody's going to be unique, right? And I think that what you have to be okay with is experimenting and making a wrong, a, a wrong, a, I won't say wrong, I say there are no wrong answers, right? And I always tell people, you make a decision. And let's be agile, let's recognize, okay, how, you know, how's this working out? And maybe it's not working out. And so uh, let's, uh, let, let's pivot. So, so I think that experimenting, trying things out and seeing if you do have a passion. Um, and when you find that passion, following it, and, and it doesn't mean you're going to have that passion forever. You know, I tell people a lot, a lot of what I do is help people grow in their careers is that what you want today may not be what you want tomorrow. And it may, what you like today may not be what you like tomorrow. And that's okay. The point is, is to sort of kind of look at how you're feeling, what you're, what you're, what you're doing, look towards the path you're going and make decisions that hopefully keep you on the path that, that you like, but then also recognize, you know what? This isn't what I want to do and perhaps change direction. And, and that's totally fine. I've had people that have become, that thought they wanted to be managers and they got into manager positions and they thought they'd be excited about it and they realized they hated it. <laughs> and they like, I don't want to do this. I want to be an individual contributor. It's like, that's great. They're like, this is where my passion is. That's fine. Try something out. I don't know that there's any single recipe, Charlie, to find your passion beyond just exposing yourself to a lot of things. I will say that, that, People that don't have a passion in their job, um, I would definitely encourage, you know, try something else, find something new, don't settle. 
you know, they, they say you find a job you love and you never work a day in your life. And I've, I've been lucky enough to find a job that I love and people I love working with and problems I love solving. So it's, it's worked out well. As the leader of the team that you've built up, what qualities have you found that successful leaders have? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And what I love about this question is that I will tell you what I learned along the way and that I did not understand when I first started operating in business. Here's what I'll tell you. Being the smartest person in the room is not enough. And I had to learn that the hard way. You know, I I, I came in to the business world thinking I knew everything and that I was just going to just take the world by storm. And there's only so much you can do uh, by yourself. What you, what you have to learn to be successful is working well with other people. Um, and that means communicating. That means um, helping other people be successful. And so, so what, what I often tell people is, number one, do your job well, right? Whatever you're hired to do, do your job really well. Uh, and then number two, figure out how to make other people successful. And, and, and that's an amazing thing. And it, it took me a while to realize what, what happens when you do that. So you're doing your job well. And then you're looking at people. You're not doing their job. You're helping them be successful at their job. And there's a key distinction. And so when you're make, helping those people be successful in your job, you start getting known as this great team player, this great person that they want, they want to work with. And so then this, what happens is they're involved in a project. And they say, oh, man, uh, who should we bring on this project? It's like, oh, wait, Charlie. I worked with Charlie on this previous. He's great. Bring him in. Yep, bring him in. And so you, you sort of get known as this person that, that works well as a team with others. And you get brought in organically, build this great reputation. So, so that teamwork is absolutely critical. And so it's, it's being selfless, being helpful, being balanced, communicating well. When I, you know, you think about my, my team, my role, we have very technical people data scientists, computer scientists, all very, very statisticians, very technical people. Those aren't the main skills that I look for. We certainly can find those. You can find all sorts of those people all the time. It's the ability to relate to people, to communicate, uh, to understand that just because the math works doesn't mean it's going to be applicable in a business environment. doesn't mean that the business is going to accept it or it's going to solve the business problem. And so it's that balance, being able to balance the, the technical world and uh, the human or the business world is, is really critical, I think, to be successful, uh, certainly as a data scientist and probably in other areas. What does the atmosphere at Apple do so well to achieve the unbelievable success it has? So I think a lot of what I've touched on, and I talk to a lot of people that, that join Apple, and I, I give them similar advice, uh, similar that I just said, is, is uh, Apple's a relationship company. It's, it's, uh, again, it's, it's, if you come into Apple and you just try to do somebody else's job because you're, you think you're better at it, um, that won't work out well. Again, it's, it's, it's working as a team. It's one of our core values. You know, innovation is another one. It's challenging. We talked a little bit about that previously. It's, uh, challenging the way that it's done. And if you think about Steve Jobs, um, that's all he did was innovate. And so he's put that out as a challenge that he wants people to innovate. Um, we also have to work again, uh, well as teams. And then finally, results, right? Get get stuff done. And and for me personally, I've told people that I love hard problems, but equally as much, I want to make an impact. Um, so I want to chase impact. I'm not interested in an academic exercise. I'm going to look at the problems where I think I can make an impact, that I can help Apple uh, save money, make money, uh, delight customers, uh, wh- whatever it is. But I want to feel like at the end of the day that, that we're making an impact. And I think that in our DNA kind of inspires us the ability to take risks and and innovate really great brilliant people that work well together 
um, I think is, uh, is, is also, uh, part of our, uh, uh, our secret sauce. So yeah, it's a great place. Can you speak about a role model that has been influential in your success? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be my direct manager who I have had the good fortune of working with for 20 years. And he, uh, he's not a technical person, but he taught me everything I know about relating to people and working well with people. And again, as I said, I came in and was a hothead and thought, I, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to blaze a trail here. I know about all this math, all these algorithms are just going to, it's just, it's going to be my way and, um, and struggled a bit. And then I was fortunate to be put in, in his group, probably because I was causing ripples and problems and they needed somebody to, uh, to calm me down a little bit. And he really taught me the, the, the benefit of, of teamwork, of culture, of values, Again, as I said, helping other people be successful and then having that come back to you. And we've been a phenomenal pairing for most of our careers, but, but it was really, I, I would not be where I am. He is, he is my ultimate role model, even though he's not a technical person. Um, he is my ultimate role model about how to, how to succeed in, in, uh, in business. Could you mention a specific story where a mistake blossomed into a success? Usually my mistakes are, um, boy... That was that was that was really dumb, and I need to explain to, to tell people don't ever do it like that again. So let's see. So um, I, I can tell you the famous things that I just love saying when people first came down with uh, the idea of iTunes, and the first time we were selling music, right? We had the iPod, and uh, we uh, uh, we heard you know Steve wanted to to, to create a, a music store. This was like two thousand two, two thousand three, something like that. And I remember saying that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Why why would we sell music? You just you know they do that. So uh, it turned out to be very wrong. Not the first time I've been very wrong about product direction, which is why I'm not in marketing, which is, which is a good thing. But I made a decision to not support a certain core feature of this product. And it was the wrong decision. Um, it was short-sighted. It, it, it did not, it turns out it, it came back and it bit us that we didn't plan for that. And, and I had to own that. I, I had to own it and recover from that. And we did. Uh, we ended up building it late. There was a significant amount of uh, cost associated to my bad decision, but we we learned from it. And I, I use that example a lot. When people are saying to me, I don't think we need this. And I say, let me tell you a story. I didn't think we needed this, but what I didn't do was think ahead enough. And I didn't do, and we have this term at Apple, see, seeing around corners. I didn't look around the corner and anticipate what this thing would be. And uh, without getting in specifics, as you know, the iTunes evolved, iTunes evolved into the App Store, into a lot more than it is now. And what I was uh, asked to consider at the time is very critical and very important. And I didn't build it. And so it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a mistake that I used. So, so as, as, a, as a success, it's a success is a learning experience for me to pass on to other people and hopefully has caused us to not make similar decisions about what we should and shouldn't support in the future. So mistakes are really important because they teach you? They teach me and they allow me to teach others. And and again, when people make mistakes on my team, I'm okay with that. We talk about it and we, 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 have, we, we sort of have what we call a retrospective. Okay, what happened? Um, how did this mistake get made? Did somebody not follow a process? Did somebody make an assumption? Um, was this just unanticipated, you know, what, what, what happened and, and, and how are we going to learn from that? What are we going to do? Um, we have what we call operational meetings. So as I said, we do decision automation and we have over 
200 different points in our business that we own the decision, you know, these transactions, whatever they may be. And things can go wrong. We can put bad logic. Um, we can we can make mistakes and things go wrong. And sometimes the things go wrong cost us money. Sometimes things go wrong and they cause customers to get upset uh, for various reasons, depending on what they're doing. And we we do have mistakes and we do things go wrong and we meet and we talk about them. And the key is not to jump on people and yell, why did you do that? What happened? Don't ever do that again. The key is to understand what what happened, what led to the mistake, and then and then how do we correct it moving forward? And sometimes it's an education thing. Sometimes, well, there was a junior data scientist didn't understand that this was the process or didn't follow the process and did something. Sometimes there was a step that was skipped. Um, oh, we didn't look at this data right. And we, you know, we made an assumption that this was this field was going to be the same. It wasn't. Blew up them all. And so, so having that and bringing it back, but making sure that it's a, it's sort of a safe place to have those conversations where you can be, you know, we're not, we're not here to yell. We're here to understand and, and, and figure it out. And, and then the other thing I would say, Charlie, that's really important. And I'd say this in life, not just in business, is that when you make a mistake, we, we have this term of own it, get in front of it. So when you recognize something that you did or your team did that is a mistake, you immediately go and you talk to the people that are going to be impacted. You talk to whether it's your manager or uh, some business person that's that's going to take the impact and you explain, hey, we screwed up. You first, you don't make excuses. You just go and say, we screwed up. We implemented something. It's not working pro- properly. We have fixed it. Here's the impact. But I want you to hear it from me. And here's what we're going to do differently to make sure this doesn't happen. And and what's interesting about that, Charlie, this works all in life as well. I would I would do this with your parents as well when, when you make a mistake. Is people are appreciative that you have taken it to them, that you've owned owned the problem and you've you've taken it to them and you've taken accountability. So there's first appreciative. And and sometimes people think, oh my gosh, no, nobody's gonna trust me. Nobody's gonna trust me. It's like it's actually the opposite. The fact that you've recognized the problem and you've brought it to them and taken accountability, they actually trust you more. They actually say, okay, this person understands the impact. This person has, has, has alerted me to the problem. They have told me what the impact is. They've already fixed it. They're not trying to sweep it under the rug. They are they're bringing it to me. That actually builds more trust. And you get these great reactions from folks. It's like, hey, I know you guys do a great job and there's a lot going on. So I appreciate you bringing this up to me. And, and that's kind of what I try to breed for my people when they bring me a mistake, you know, because I want them to, I, mean, I want to know, tell me when we're screwing up because I know we're going to do it and let's figure out what we do about it. So as a parent, how do you balance the demands of your professional and personal life? Yeah. So that's another one of our, part of our culture and our values. Um, I will say that, you know, we believe in work-life balance. We think it's very important. And I tell people when they come on my team that we don't wear our hours on our sleeve. If you come in and you're working weekends, that's, that's your call. That's not what we want, right? We want you to have an outside life because it's important. Just that mental state, that mental balance. Not everything is about work. That is where you'll get your burnout, you know, to your previous question. If, if you just work constantly, you're working hard. You know, people have, have said, hey, if you take on this job, lots of responsibility, go find a hobby. Go find a hobby that gives you an outlet, gives you something to do. The, you know, your family's important. Family's always, you know, the most important thing. And, and I tell people that all the time. And you have to have that balance. You have to make time for your family. Uh, we have a general rule that if somebody's on vacation, they are not to be called or bothered. Right? Nobody on my team or probably not nobody at Apple is that important that they can't take a vacation. And so when somebody goes on vacation, whether it's with their family, not on their family, it's known. 
we, t- we say to people, all right, make sure you know who, who to contact, right? Who, who is in charge? Who do they need to contact? Somebody's, and then you just, you don't bother. You let them relax, recharge their batteries. Again, it's, it's, I think that people need to be happy to be the most productive and do, do the greatest work of their lives. And so I encourage both. How important is it to set goals for the future for everyone? I like goals. I'm a goal-oriented person. I, I like accomplishing goals. I like I like driving towards things. And you know, I what's interesting is sometimes you don't realize how important setting goals are for other people. And you know, I'll tell you, you know, in, in my role, I've learned that you know, giving goals for the team. You, sometimes you don't really realize how your voice resonates and your opinions resonate until you see people act on it. Like, oh, so like, you know, there was, there was a few years back, I, I, I gave this goal, which was, it was a pretty interesting twist on something that we do. And, it, and I, I had a name for it. And I remember people were talking about it throughout the year as it was, it was one of our year goals and people would talk about it. And it was showing up on people's presentations and all that. I was like, oh, this is great. But what it did is it brought everybody together and it sort of unified people. It's like, oh, wait, this is, this is kind of what we're marching toward. This is kind of, it kind of gives us this, this sense of direction and accomplishment. So I think, I think it's good for both of those. It's, it's good for me personally in that it, it, it helps me track what I'm, what I'm trying to do. But I think it's also good from a from a leadership standpoint is that it it, it directs and organizes people towards a, a single place, which you know, and and I think what goals are great is that it's kind of this is where we want to get to, but it doesn't necessarily prescribe how we get there, right? And and that's what I love about goals is that it's this is where we want to be, you know, team. Let's figure out how we get there, and and giving people that opportunity to to innovate, come up with their own their strategies and ideas. So you spoke at so many words of wisdom, but if you were to give one piece of advice surrounding your key to success, what would it be? So for me personally, I think it's, it's recognizing that to have an impact, you have to blend both the technical uh, component with the human or the business. And, 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 and that is what I think that, that where I got became successful. Um, as I said, there's a lot of people that are, are good with technology that don't know how to communicate that into uh, solving real problems. There are a lot of people that are uh, good with people or good communicators, but don't know how to leverage technology. And if you can get good at both, which I think that, that I have, and I've been you know, fortunate that I've had good, good mentorship, there's a lot that you can do. And you get trusted you know, on, 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 on both sides, the, the, the people in, and I'm just going to use business because that's just what I'm in. The people in business under, you know, know that, you know, their business problem, that, that you can speak their language, their vocabulary, that, you know, that, um, oh, if we do this, um, this is going to cause this problem for our customers. It's going to cause this, this financial loss or whatever it is. You understand the business impact. And then, and then also on the technology side, you know, the right technology to bring to the problem and your proficient in it. And you're not just going to go sail down some crazy technical path because it's interesting, but you're going to bring it back to the actual problem. And I think I think that is the one piece of advice I'd give people, whatever their background is, in, in is be able to speak to multiple camps and, and it's you're almost like a translator at times. You can you can a lot a lot of amazing things happen. Well thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad uh, glad I could help.
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. My name is Charlie Hubbard, and this has been Professional Profiles.